Did you know that parents rank financial literacy as the number one most difficult life skill to teach? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families. With Greenlight, you send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and keep an eye on your kids' spending with real-time notifications. Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. And parents can rest easy knowing their kids are learning about money with guardrails in place. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. A quick programming note for our listeners. Unfortunately, today's episode of The Daily Crime will be our final episode. We want to say thanks to all of you for sticking with us over the past couple of years. There are a million podcasts about crime out there and... We set out to to try to do something that was a little different here. We wanted to talk to reporters every single day and share stories that matter, but that you might not hear about on any of the other crime podcasts that you listen to. And if you're new to the show or you've just tuned in here and there, we have a back catalog at this point of hundreds of episodes on unsolved cases and trials and new crime-fighting technology. We've done episodes on arson dogs and ghost guns and robocalls. There's a whole lot that you can go back and listen to Will, I am bummed that this is our last episode here, but not a lot of podcasts get to put out over 400 episodes. So again, a huge thank you to our listeners for joining us and engaging with us and sharing the daily crime over the past couple of years. Yeah, I 100% agree with and echo Reed's thoughts. Thanks so much for staying with us over these past few years. If you would like to listen to a weekly show, it's not quite daily, but of course, check out True Crime Chronicles, where you can also listen to Reed and myself. Again, that's True Crime Chronicles, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's get to today's stories. Coming up. Nothing looked suspicious or out of the ordinary. Nobody, I wish I would have went outside, you know, around that time, see if anybody was with her, but I had never thought. For Volt Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. And I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Three brothers of a man charged last month with killing his father say he's innocent. Investigators say the upper body trauma they found on his father was not consistent with the fall down the stairs. But Sammy's brothers, who just buried their dad, say detectives are wrong. And police in Georgia are investigating the mysterious death of a woman from Athens. Brand new details tonight in the mysterious and gruesome death of Athens mom, Debbie Collier. New surveillance video shows Collier buying the very items that police would find just hours later next to her burned naked body. We have not changed our thoughts about this being a homicide. We're still treating this as a murder investigation, and we will not change that. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. At 2.37 p.m. on Tuesday, September 27th, police were sent out to a home in Fairfax County, Virginia, just south of Washington, D.C. Reed, let's start there. Why were police called out to this home? Will, they were called out for a death investigation after an 82-year-old man named Talat Hassanin had been discovered unconscious at the bottom of stairs going down into the basement of his home 
where he lived with his adult sons. The 911 call Tuesday was from the older son. His father was unconscious at the bottom of the basement stairs. According to reporting from our partner station WSA in Washington, D.C., medics were summoned to the scene, but Hassanin was pronounced dead at the scene there. And for investigators arriving on the scene, the question presumably becomes, is this a crime scene or is it the scene of a tragic accident? You've got an elderly man falling down a flight of stairs and sustaining fatal injuries. Right. And what they do determine is that Talat Hassanin's death was not accidental. They say that he didn't just fall down the stairs. Detectives said that he was found with, quote, significant trauma to his upper body. And it's trauma that they say wouldn't be explained by falling down the stairs. After making that determination, police then arrest one of Hassanin's sons, 36-year-old Sammy Hassanin, who was then charged with second-degree murder. A man is behind bars tonight, accused of murdering his 82-year-old father, the eighth domestic homicide this year in Fairfax County. A disturbing trend, and with this new case, police are urging people who are struggling to reach out for help. Following the arrest, police said that they've been called out to that home multiple times in the past. On at least three occasions, investigators also spoke about this arrest in the context of discussing domestic violence in the area more broadly. We can't peer into homes, but what we can tell our community is that if there's violence occurring in your home, if someone's experiencing a mental health crisis, resources are available. We are here to help. WUSA also reported that some neighbors of the Hassanin said that there had long been bad blood between this father and his sons. Sammy was mad at his dad. Sammy always were mad at his dad and Sharif too. Sharif and Sammy told me one day that we hate that A neighbor says Sammy has been angry at his dad for a long time, that there have been a lot of fights. And his father married a younger woman and he just kicked his wife out of this house when he come. And the kids were had this against the father. So we have these neighbors suggesting that there was this tension, this turmoil going on in the house. But there were also some neighbors who said they never saw any indication of, of any of that strife. He used to, like, always bring us presents from Egypt. He would come over for dinner. The sons would, too. Like, they were all super, super nice people. So, Reed, this was all happening just last week. And earlier this week, WUSA 9 reporter Bruce Lashan spoke with three brothers of Sammy Hassanin. What did they have to say about the case? Well, Will, in short, they said that police made a big mistake. They don't think that their brother killed their father. In fact, they don't think anyone killed their father. They think this was an accident. Losing my father, I lost myself. I mean, the man meant everything to me. Sharif Hassani, outside the Rose Hill house where he found his 82-year-old father, Talat, dead last Wednesday, collapsed in a pool of blood at the bottom of the basement stairs. You do not believe it's possible that Sandy killed your dad? No, I don't. As you mentioned, police specifically pointed to trauma to Talat Hassanin's upper torso as evidence that this was more than an accident. So how did Sammy Hassanin's brothers respond to what we've heard from investigators so far? Yeah, they've, of course, heard the same information that we have from police. But what they say is that they're just not convinced by anything that they've heard from investigators. I saw Sammy's reaction when he saw my father's body. He was in shock. I can't see anything that says anything other than an 82-year-old man fell down the stairs. He unfortunately landed on hard concrete. Sammy's brother, Sharif, who also lived in this home with their father, 
says that he didn't hear anything that night or that morning. He didn't hear any altercation or anyone yelling, anything like that. Sammy would have yelled. Sammy would have screamed. My father would have yelled. My father would have screamed. Sharif says he was asleep in his bedroom in the home and heard nothing. Here I was, no more than 15 feet away from him. And it's impossible for me to believe that they were both fighting in a whispering tone. That's just not possible. The brothers admit Sammy has struggled for decades with mental illness. And they say the family has struggled to get the county to help him. You think Sammy is capable of violence, but Absolutely. you just don't see it here. No, I do not see Did it. Did he love his dad? He absolutely loved his dad, and my dad loved him. The family says they've lost two people now, their father and their little brother. And Tariq Hassanin, one of the other brothers who lives out of state in Washington, said that he's actually retiring and selling his home so that he can dedicate himself full-time to fighting to free his brother. Reed, have investigators responded to any of these comments? What have they had to say? Yeah, Bruce Lachan reported that Fairfax County Police have responded to the brothers' claims. A spokesperson said... Detectives have more than enough evidence to show that this was, in fact, murder and that Sammy Hassanin was the killer. Now, what exactly that evidence is, we don't know yet, but their statements seemingly suggest they have evidence beyond the trauma to Hassanin's upper body that they just haven't revealed publicly yet. A judge in Fairfax County has ordered Sammy Hassanin to be held without bond until his next hearing. That hearing is scheduled for October 28th. So for updates on that, our listeners can follow all of Bruce Lashan and WSA's coverage at WUSA9.com. Fifty-nine-year-old Deborah or Debbie Collier was last seen by her husband on Friday, September 9th. Will introduce us to this story. Take us through the days leading up to Debbie Collier's disappearance. So Debbie Collier lived and worked in Athens, Georgia. She was the front office manager for a real estate company there. We haven't heard a lot from her family, but her Facebook feed focused on family and hiking trips with her husband and sharing uplifting and spiritual messages, according to 11 Alive in Atlanta. They have also learned that she and her husband got married back in 2013. Stephen Collier, her husband, last saw Debbie Collier at 9 p.m. on Friday night, September the 9th. He claims they slept in separate bedrooms. He snored, and so that was the arrangement they had. He left for work the next morning and assumed she was safe at home. We would later get from police and investigators surveillance video at a family dollar about an hour north of Athens that would reveal a black Chrysler Pacifica. Now, this was the rental van that Debbie Collier had and she had this van because her car was in the shop, according to her daughter. And there's video of that van just before 3 p.m. on Saturday, September 10th. So this is the day after her husband last saw her on that Friday night. She's wearing a red visor. She has a black purse, a rental key fob in her hand, and she appears calm. She's by herself, and she buys several items at this dollar store, again, all on surveillance camera. She has a, a red tote bag. She puts a blue tarp rain poncho, paper towels, and a refillable torch lighter on the counter. She didn't appear suspicious. She didn't seem agitated or anything like that, according to the clerk. And then she pulled out of the parking lot there about 19 minutes after three. So she was there just for, you know, under 20 minutes. This is the clerk who sold those items to Debbie Collier at that family dollar. I do remember her. I remember checking her out, but I really don't remember, like, what we talked about. And nothing looked up suspicious or out of the ordinary nobody i wish i would have went outside you know around that time see if anybody was with her but i 
you know, who was Now, her daughter, Amanda Bearden, would later tell police that at 3.17 p.m., so this would have been probably when Debbie Collier was back in her vehicle before she left that family dollar parking lot, her daughter says she got a payment for almost $2,400, a Venmo payment, along with a message saying, they're not going to let me go, love you, there's a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door. So Amanda says she got that from, from her mother on that Saturday afternoon. Three hours later, around 6 p.m. that evening, on that Saturday, her husband reported her missing back in Athens. We do have a 911 call at 8.30 a.m. the next morning, and it's Debbie Collier's daughter asking if they could trace her using GPS. Here's some of the audio from that 911 call. Um, Hi, um, my name's Amanda Bearden, and... um I filed a missing persons report on my mother last night or uh-huh. uh, yesterday. I, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck here or anything, but do I need to hire a private detective, maybe? On Sunday, the next day, the missing persons case became a death investigation. Investigators actually tracked her van down using the Sirius XM radio in that rental van. And the van was found around noon or 12.30 on Sunday afternoon. It was found off of Logging Road in Clarksville, Georgia, in Habersham County. Again, this is a little more than an hour north of where she lived in Athens. And Debbie Collier's body was found about 100 yards away. Items found near her body included those items that she bought at the family dollar. Her body had been set on fire and left partially nude, and she was gripping a small tree limb. It's just an awful scene. Will, what are police saying at this point about their investigation into this and any other evidence they might be working with at this point? From what we've learned, the sheriff's office says she was not kidnapped and she did not die by suicide. They are now treating Collier's death as a homicide, although no cause of death has been announced. They're still looking at phone records, from what we understand, bank records, camera footage from surrounding businesses uh, that weekend that she disappeared. Our partner station 11 Alive in Atlanta is also reporting that police have executed several search warrants and interviewed people close to Debbie Collier. Detectives actually executed a search warrant at the home of her daughter, Amanda, a home that Amanda shared with her boyfriend that took place on September 14th, so not long after her body was discovered, and they were actually at that home executing that search warrant for up to six hours. The Habersham County Sheriff's Office has not publicly identified a person of interest, a suspect, or made an arrest in the homicide of Debbie Collier. All right, Will, thanks to our partner station 11 Alive in Atlanta for bringing us this story. Our listeners can follow all of their coverage on this case at 11alive.com. Be sure to check out all of Vault Studios' podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. For The Daily Crime, along with Reed Redmond, I'm Will Johnson.